Today is the fifth Sunday of Lent, and it's the first Sunday of the Passiontide, the final leading up to the crucifixion, and Jesus beginning to be much more clear about and signaling his impending death. Our text for today begins in the 20th chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning in the excuse me, the 12th chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning in the 20th verse, and it continues through the 33rd verse. And just prior to our scene beginning, John recorded that the Pharisees were talking amongst themselves and saying that the whole world was going to Jesus. Now as our scene begins, that observation of the Pharisees is validated by the Greeks coming to the disciples and asking to see Jesus. And for the sake of making this comment be understood more fully, the Jews at the time referred to all the various non-Jews, the Gentiles, as Greeks. So we have all of the non-Jewish world, just as the Pharisees said, coming to Jesus. Returning to our scene in the Gospel, some Greeks, some Gentiles, came to see Jesus, and when they did, their desire to see Jesus sets off a chain of comments from Jesus. The first is that the hour has come for the Son of Man, that is, Jesus himself, to be glorified. Jesus knew his hour had come because now the non-Jews were seeking after him. Earlier, during Jesus' interaction with the disciples and bringing them up, Jesus had prohibited the disciples from sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. Now that the Gentiles were, without any intentional evangelism, seeking after Jesus, it was the sign that it was the time for the crucifixion. The event would not be observed by the Jews only, but by the entire world, just as the crucifixion is for the benefit of the entire world. The Gentiles asking to, G to see Jesus and the Jews who will soon be crying out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, are both beginning to see Jesus for who he is, the Messiah. St. Augustine describes this joining together by saying, Here then we have they of the circumcision and they of the uncircumcision like two house walls running from different directions and meeting together with the kiss of peace in the one faith of Christ. Let us listen to them. Let us listen then to the voice of the cornerstone. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Gently predicting his own death, Jesus speaks of the grain of wheat dying, falling to the earth, and as a result, bearing much fruit. Then there's Jesus' comment about one's losing one's life and keeping one's life. It sounds like a warning to his followers to be willing to accept martyrdom. And we're going to circle back to that in a moment. First, a quick look at the remainder of the passage. Jesus goes on to say that his soul is troubled, and although he is tempted to ask to be saved from this hour, he accepts that he cannot ask to be delivered because he came for this hour. The crucifixion and the salvation that it makes possible for the people of earth is Jesus' mission, 
and he will not turn from it. Then Jesus closes his comments about his death by saying that when he is lifted up from earth, he will draw all people to himself. This prediction does two things. The first is that it shows, as our passage says, the means by which Jesus would die. Jesus will be lifted up from the earth on the cross. The second thing the comment suggests is that we're turning us to the first verses of the passage. He will draw all people to himself. The Gentiles have turned to Jesus and are asking to see him. Because of that reality, the hour has come that when Jesus is crucified, the crucifixion will be witnessed by Jew and Gentile alike, and Jesus will draw all people to himself. As we put these elements of Jesus' comments together and how he is explaining his impending death, it's easy to see why this passage is a passage selected for the start of the Passion Tide. How shall this passage inspire the weeks we have left in the season of Lent? I mentioned we would return to what appeared to be a call to accept martyrdom. Jesus said, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I've heard many a message using this one sentence to support martyrdom, typically when speaking of the many persecuted Christians throughout history and up until the present day. If you wish to see the facts about Christian persecution around the world today, physical atrocities and killings that never get reported in the media, go to the Voice of the Martyrs website, persecution.com. It's also used to talk about a personal martyrdom where you make some sort of sacrifice in a in a different sort of way that's not that physical martyrdom, but allows you to participate in a sacrificial understanding. Before continuing, I have to say it seems completely obvious that that physical martyr, that person who loves the Lord so much as to die rather than to deny God, rather than to deny Jesus, will indeed gain eternal life in the presence of God. And making personal sacrifices are good things to do, especially in the benefit of others. But that's not what this sentence is about. The word translated here as life is psyche. It is the word from which we have developed the word psychology and psychiatry, and it means more precisely the soul or the mind, that which makes you, you. Jesus is saying that you, that we must accept his will for how we live, what we do, how we define our identity in order to live for God. And it does not matter what the cause of distraction from living for God might be. When something turns your attention, when something turns how you practice your life away from God's ideal for you, then it is something that must be given up. And it doesn't matter whatever the distraction is, whatever the misplaced attraction, whatever is turning your attention 
that God, uh, from God, it doesn't matter if that is good or bad in and of itself. The Greeks, the Gentiles, they came to the disciples, and these are good, godly men who've been following Jesus for years, have been entrusted with his ministry. There is nothing wrong with the disciples. But the Gentiles said, we wish to see Jesus. Disciples, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. But we wish to see Jesus. As we are in Lent and involved in our various fasts, let them be from those things that turn our eyes away from God. Let every small act of self-denial remove a distraction, remove a misplaced attraction, and be a way of saying, I wish to see Jesus. Amen.